What's up, great people? This is your host, Javi the Great, and you're tuned in to episode 17 of my podcast, Crypto and Chill, man. No, this has been a cool little experience, man. When I ever since I first started it, you know, I've been I've been able to get off some of my thinking without having to tweet up a storm. Sometimes I just get caught up with people and just have to go back and forth, man. And I have to catch myself like Jay. They don't see exactly um, where you're coming from. So it's best if I get on here and share my thoughts on the latest news and the latest tweets, you know, it's going around social media. But I hope you guys are doing well out there, man. Hope you guys are staying blessed, staying safe, staying healthy, man. And just pretty much just staying on your purpose, staying on your grind. Whatever your goals are, make sure you don't let anything deflect you from achieving and going towards those goals, man. But on that note, let's get into it, man. Let's get let's jump straight into it. We finally received a decision. Um and this is regarding the Ripple in the SEC case. We finally got a decision um, dealing with the D, um, DPP documents. We finally got a decision on that. And like I suspected, you can go back to my last, I don't know, I probably said this on a few episodes, but it was ruled that Ripple got a few um, documents and the SEC were able to keep a few documents privileged so they weren't able to get every document but they were able to get some and we're going to go over the ones that ripple were able to get um i have it pulled up here and let's get to it man let's get to it let's check it out and shout out to to james filing he does a great job with keeping everyone up to date within the community on what's going on with the case so if you if you ever need any type of update or you want to see a document or a filing, just go to James Filing um, Twitter, and it's at Filing Law. That's at the at sign on Twitter, F I L A N L A W. Shout out to Filing Law, man, James Filing. Shout out to him, doing an amazing uh, an amazing job. But here are all the documents that Ripple will get. If my phone would unfreeze right now I don't know what's going on here we go so Ripple is getting the February the 14th 2014 handwritten notes from Valerie I'm not even going to try to try to say her last name but it was a meeting between the SEC commissioner and external parties including um, Professor Joseph Grunfest and it does not tie meeting or notes to a policy process or agency decision. Communications with third parties are not privileged. There is no unique privilege for handwritten notes. Collection of information is not privileged. So she pretty much just putting everything to one side of the column and then explaining why she made the decision on the on the right side of the column. So Ripple got that. Ripple got the June 20th, 2017 handwritten notes from Valerie as well. And it was a meeting with Digital Asset Advocate, Adv- Adv- Advocacy Group on June 29th. It was some more handwritten notes from Valerie. Uh, and it was also pertaining to the Digital Asset Advocacy Group. Um, on December 13th, Ripple is getting the December 13th, 2017 handwritten notes from Valerie. Wow, Valerie got a lot of handwritten notes going on. 
So did Valerie herself? I'm pretty sure. If Valerie wrote all of these notes, I'm pretty sure she was in a mix of, of the people that received that that him and speech email and the drafts that was going around. Um, Ripper Will was Will received the April the sixth, two thousand eighteen, handwritten more more handwritten notes from Valerie. They got Valerie name all over this. I wonder what she's thinking right now. If she's reading, if she has read this, I wonder how she's feeling, what she's thinking. They're also, Ripple is also getting the April the 6th, 2018 handwritten notes from Michael Seaman, uh, Seaman. And that was a meeting with Professor, with Professor, uh, Christian Catalini. Ripple is also getting the April 23rd, 2018 handwritten notes from Michael Seaman, meeting with consensus. Uh, June 8th, handwritten notes. Uh, meeting with consensus again. June 24th, 2016, handwritten notes from Michael Seaman as well. More, another meeting with consensus. Ripple is also getting the August 28th, handwritten notes, more notes from Valerie, meeting with digital asset platform. They are not getting the, the September 18th, handwritten notes from Michael Seaman, meeting with Ripple. So I'm pretty sure they already know exactly what that is. Um, but they are getting November the 28th handwritten notes from Valerie again. And she met with uh, staff for Senator Tom Cotton. Um, let's see here. They're not getting handwritten notes from Richard, who met with SBI. Um, what I'm messed, what I'm bummed about is uh, here I'm looking at the June 2013. The June 13th, 2018 email and attached memorandum from the Office of Chief Counsel of the Division of Corporation Finance to staff of the Division of Enforcement, the legal analysis of XRP. And if you go to the side, um, it says does not tie memorandum to a policy process or agency decision. DPP applies to agency decision-making, not decisions of individual agency staff. Attorney-client privilege attaches only to confidential information concerning the SEC. Uh, subsequent use in enforcement proceedings does not create work product protection. Failure to log other privilege constitutes waiver. And that checks off deliberative process privilege, uh, attorney-client and attorney work product that checks off all three boxes. Now, why Ripple can't get that? And it's a legal analysis of XRP. That right there, for the SEC to have a legal analysis of XRP in 2018 and chose to bring the case in 2020, at the end of 2020, I just don't number one they charged Ripple way back to I believe 2013 they waited five months after that to get a legal analysis of XRP so how can you charge someone way back five years before you even had a legal analysis of XRP that alone doesn't make any sense so that right there, if Ripple and Brad and Chris gets charged for anything, it's going to date back to June the 13th, 2018. 
that's when it, that's when they're gonna go back. That's that's I'm I'm pretty sure of it because if you can't charge them people, you can't charge the company Ripple, Brad and Chris if you hadn't even conducted a legal analysis of XRP until June 13, 2018. So nobody knew. And then you had Bill Hemmen giving out speeches or whatnot, confusing the markets. Though she she ruled that Bill Hemmen's speech was indeed his personal opinion. I'm pretty sure she understands the confusion that it gave to the market. I'm pretty sure of it. So, in order for Ripple to get their hands on a lot of these documents, which I don't know if they're going to be any help um, for Ripple's case or not, but in order for them to get some of these documents and, and not be a complete waste of time, the judge had to kind of say, hey, yeah, we agree. William Hemmings speech was his personal opinion and also the SEC was kind of combating that as well was fighting behind that as well so with the SEC with the judge ruling Bill Hemmings speech to indeed be his personal opinion that should really worry um, the whole Ethereum foundation I seen a guy's video on, on Twitter the other day and he stated that he thinks that Ripple this whole case was really you know if we, if we want to talk conspiracies because it's, it's no facts or anything to prove it like everything has been brought out on Ethereum but a conspiracy theory is that this whole case was brought about to give the to allow the Ethereum to be labeled as a security so that way everything that has been launched off of Ethereum is also labeled a security meaning all DeFi and everything will be labeled as securities and and the SEC will have total control over it. Now that's just a theory. We don't know, but I highly doubt that Ripple is working with the government while being sued for for billions of dollars. I highly doubt that. While Ripple has been fighting for clarity for God knows how long. Right? And I don't think Ripple would kill off, try to kill off Bitcoin and Ethereum in order to get that, that clarity. Now, I, I could be wrong. I don't know Ripple or their, I don't know anyone that works for Ripple. I don't, I don't know any of their lawyers. I don't know the CEOs. I don't know Brad, Chris. I don't know any of them guys, so I can't speak for them. You know, we all, we, we can only speak. We can only give educated guesses, right? And that leads me to say that, um, just piggybacking off of that for a minute, uh, we nobody should have a maxi mindset, right? Meaning, I understand we're all fans of Ripple. We all are, a lot of us, I ain't gonna say we all, but I definitely ain't gonna say we all because a lot of people hate Ripple, a lot of people hate XRP. But for those of us that are fans of Ripple and are XRP holders you can't have a maxi viewpoint you can't we can't carry ourselves like Bitcoin uh, maxis and Ethereum maxis or whatnot because I'm I'm gonna say this I can only speak for myself I hold a lot of different crypto assets and XRP is one of my largest holdings um and with that being said it's nothing nothing that I tweet 
or have a conversation about is ever to downplay the tech behind Ripple and XRP and the XRP Ledger. Now, you may see me going back and forth, and it's not in a negative way because we're all entitled to our opinions. So it's, it's perfectly fine and normal and okay to have a conversation about our disagreements. You know, some people can't do that. Even though we're all adults here, some people just hate to go in a conversation questioning the asset that they hold or anything that, that they're in favor of. Some people, some adults can't do that. You know, we're entitled, we're all entitled to our own opinions. And, and a lot of times we can agree to disagree. Right? Like I was having a conversation with a guy yesterday and yeah, he, he unfollowed me for whatever reason. You know, I unfollowed him back, but when it gets to a point to where you're unfollowing someone because they are putting out legit concerns to you and the only thing you can say is, you know, you, you just act like a fanboy, that's, you, you can't respect that. That's not, that's not really getting your point across because you're just acting in a fan, a fanboy uh, type of way, right? But my concerns with Ripple, I mean, like John Dean say all the time, right? John Dean says clearly, if if the SEC would have came after Ripple and Brad and Chris alone and left the secondary market alone and left the, the XRP holders out of it, he would have never got into the case. He would have never gotten into the case, right? John Dean it didn't get involved with the SEC lawsuit on behalf of Chris, on behalf of Brad, or on behalf of Ripple. And he, he is even sad. If those people did something wrong, by all means, go after them. You know, punish them. Whatever you have, whatever the SEC needs to do, do it. But leave the secondary market out of it because we have nothing to do with it. There are plenty of platforms that, that utilizes XRP. You can earn interest on XRP with Nexo. Um, Coil has a program where you can um, get monetary gains from from uh, people coming to your website or whatever the case may be and you earn XRP that way you can use you can spend XRP you got an uphold card you can spend XRP you got a, um, a XRP uh, what's that app called let me look at it real quick it's um, you got the ZOM you got the ZOM wallet you got um, it's another wallet that has an XRP MasterCard um and that is I'm looking for it on my phone I, I can't find it for whatever reason but basically all I'm saying is uh, still looking for it Global ID Global ID has a XRP MasterCard where you can even spend XRP on there and earn interest back you can earn um, XRP back on, on purchases like cash back when you use your debit card or your credit card or something, you can earn XRP back instead of cash back if you spend your MasterCard, if you use your MasterCard. So, we all know on the secondary market, XRP has plenty of use cases and nobody on the secondary market is buying XRP. You got some people that are buying it as an investment and you got other people, like there's so many use cases, it can be a store of value, it can be a currency, it can be whatever, right? It can be used to build apps on, on the ledger. It can be used to build different things. But that's not the issue. That's not the problem. That never has been the issue. None of my tweets are going towards the, 
XRP on the secondary market, nor is it going towards the, the XRP ledger. Like a lot of times, if you haven't noticed, right, a lot of times when someone questions XRP and the, and the central authority or whatever the case may be, a lot of people like to respond with, like it, it, it happens so much. I can tell you what the responses are going to be like off the top of my head. Like you say anything about XRP, people are going to come at you with, oh, it's decentralized. It don't matter how many XRP you have. It doesn't control the XRP ledger. Oh, node operators, this, that, and the third. Um, what's another one? Uh, <laughs> Ripple isn't the, you know, it, it's just a bunch of stuff that, that has that serves no purpose to the question that you ask right I think we're, we're, it's all clear now that the XRP ledger is an amazing an, an amazing technology you know it's, it's flawless you know of course it has issues everything has its issues nothing's perfect but it's a, it's a good technology it's flawless compared to a lot of the other crypto assets right but when you get into the total supply and you see that Ripple holds over 50% of the supply. Right? And it started out with Ripple holding 100% of the supply. They got 100% of the supply. And they distributed it out. And they kept over 50% of the supply. And then gave some to the founders and CEOs, whatever the case may be. So a lot of them have millions, maybe billions of XRP in their personal holdings, right? So my whole concern with that is if you have over over 50% of the total supply in escrow and amongst people that work for Ripple and created the ledger, however they want to put it, that's a lot of XRP that's floating around. It's a lot of XRP that's floating around and being distributed in a way that we have no idea what's going on. We can only see what's going on on the secondary market. And we really can't see what's going on on the secondary market. I mean, you see articles here and there, but use this for an example. We see articles every other day that's talking about how much XRP is flying around to different wallets, different exchanges and whatnot. But the price doesn't reflect that so that either tells me that XRP is moving around freely it's being distributed or new partners are, are, are new partners of Ripple is source, are sourcing XRP directly from Ripple and in return has no impact on the secondary market right it has no impact on it. So, if Ripple has, what is it, like 50 billion XRP? 47, close to 50 billion, or 50 billion, or a little bit over 50 billion. If they have that much XRP, they can damn near do everything they're set out to do. And really don't even need the secondary market, nothing but for liquidity, liquidity purposes. I could be wrong. You know, I've only been in this space for like three, four years, few years, but it's it doesn't it's not rocket science to see exactly what's going on. You may not, you know, have all the ins and out and 
cuts and turns figured out but for the most part you, you have the logistics of it right and it's okay to ask questions that's how you gain knowledge by asking questions and listening and analyzing things on y'all right and listening to the feedback of others but if, if Ripple is if we're waiting on banks or whatnot to come in and drive up the value of XRP and make purchases of XRP ask yourself how will that impact the secondary market if all of these banks are sourcing XRP directly from Ripple and not even touching the secondary market how will that have an impact on the secondary market now I know Quincy I I remember him being on a um, on an interview with the bearable bull and he was pretty much saying like it, it goes back to the network how what all is happening on the network how the network the xrp ledger is being utilized who all is building on the ledger and the network platforms themselves that's how a lot of these tokens are going to gain its value by how much um how much flow is going on how much uh traffic is going on these networks to build things to launch things to you know to just fully operate on these networks right but if banks are you are sourcing xrp liquidity liquidity from directly from ripple and ripple has billions of it ripple can send every bank a million xrp every bank hell they can send them two million five million to every bank every major bank ripple can send five million xrp to right so how will that impact the secondary market when it comes to value being raised if they're only just utilizing the XRP that they're sourcing from Ripple and they're just sending that XRP that they have sourced back and forth back and forth back and forth to one another they're utilizing Ripple's 50 billion XRP how is that going to impact the secondary market I don't know maybe I'm missing something and I'm not the one to to spread any FUD. I'm not trying to spread any, any misinformation. But if whoever is listening, if you're listening to this, you can hit me up on Twitter, man, and you can explain it. Or you can, if you can get someone to explain it, um, preferably somebody that works for Ripple and, and really understands the technology, then I'm all ears for it. I'm all ears because that, that part alone has me confused. It has been confused. It's so much supply, and it's being distri- distributed freely on Ripple's side. Now, like I said, the secondary market—you know—we're holders and whatnot. We're all fans, and we hope for the best. But let's think logical. Like, we we'll see. We will see. We will see. I don't. I don't know. But I'm 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 all I'm all ears to learning, man. I love learning. I love understanding right so and that's that uh another topic i wanted to bring up was um empower oversight not long ago we got word that those guys were um they were trying to get some documents from uh from the sec and the sec kind of 
tried to brush them off. They tried to throw a, a huge fee at them that would stop them from pursuing those documents that they requested. Um, but today, they put on a tweet. They made it. They made it known that Empower Oversight appeals SEC's claim of "quote unquote" no responsible records on cryptocurrency FOIA. And if you go through the thread, it states, it states, Empower Oversight filed an administrative appeal challenging the Securities and Exchange Commission's claim that no responsible records exist. So, Empower um, filed a request for um, the freedom of, of, of information. Um, and they wanted some, doc- some, some specific documents related to him and, and Simpson Thatcher and Jay Clayton and a few other people they were trying to get some information to see if there were any conflicts of interest um, revolving around Ethereum and why they are letting Ethereum basically do whatever while going after other crypto companies and one such as Ripple who, who, who they have held up in the lawsuit as we speak but they state that Empower Oversight filed an administrative appeal challenging the SEC claim that quote-unquote no responsible records exist in several categories of Empower Oversight's Freedom of Information Act requests. In this response to Empower Oversight, the SEC failed to describe the, co- the scope of its searches. So, in other words, that means that the SEC pretty much just told them that there's no documents to be found and then let them know what they searched for, how they searched for it, and you know what they came up with. It was nothing specific. The uh, Empower Oversight asked the SEC to search for a lot of documents pertaining to him and in the speech. The SEC responded with, "It was nothing found." Okay, what did you search exactly? How did you search for these documents that we re- that we requested? And the SEC didn't make it known. They didn't be they what they weren't specific or anything. So now. Empire Oversight is coming back and filing an appeal. So the SEC failed to describe the scope of its searches. Thus, neither Empower Oversight nor the public can be assured that the SEC took reasonable steps to locate and produce responsive documents. In this appeal, Empower Oversight is requesting the SEC review the SEC FOIA research specialist searches, report if any deficiencies are found and provide sworn affidavits describing the searches in detail if the SEC still claims that no record exists. And that's how you that's how you go after the SEC, man. Because the SEC I didn't know the SEC was this secretive and 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 I ain't gonna say corrupt because nothing has been proven yet and an investigation hasn't been made yet. Hopefully we get to that point where an investigation happens, but we haven't gotten to that point yet. Though we can say what we want, we still can't throw that word around, Um, but they're acting in a corrupted way, right? They're acting in a shady way to where it's like they want to keep all personnel, all documents, all thinking a secret. They want to keep everyone guessing. They want to be... What's the word I'm looking for? They want to be vague in all of their public opinions. So it's it's like the SEC is like a trap. They set people up in order to trap them and extort them for money. So you can't, with a a government agency like that, you just 
can't respect him. I know I can't respect him. I can't respect Gary Gensler at all. The man came from MIT and was a teacher and a student at the same time and was teaching a bunch of students in the class about cryptocurrencies and, and all the um, the positives on blockchain and whatnot and benefits and then get into a SEC position to where he can really influence a change and really could promote this asset space but yet he chooses to do the complete opposite how can you respect that how can you respect that that's like me going to a school to be a doctor and then once I graduate that school to be a doctor I then get on the news and bash the practices of being a doctor like who does that it's crazy it's crazy In other news regarding Ripple, we have Morocco's largest bank joins RippleNet. And that was this that comes from an article reported today. Um and it reads as follows. I'm not even gonna try to say the name of this bank. What is Adijari Wafa? And just so y'all know that I'm trying my best to pronounce it, it's spelled A-T-T-I-J-A-R-I-W-A-F-A Bank. The largest banking institution in Morocco with 53.3 billion worth of assets under management has joined the RippleNet network, according to a recent report published by Boris News. The tie-up will allow the bank to conduct instantaneous transactions with its partners. Adijari Wafa Bank was announced, also announced a partnership with Thunis, a business-to-business B2B cross-border payments network based in Singapore. RippleNet's banking partners include Santander, Bank of America, uh, Indus, they got some weird name banks, man. And sorry, I'm, I'm not talking about your banking, but these are some names that are really hard to pronounce. I imagine telling somebody, hey, man, I got to go to Interlucina Bank for a uh, cash drop-off. Or I got to, I gotta, hey, man, hold on real quick, bro. I got to go to Addit Jari Waffle Bank to get a cash deposit. Like, come on, man. This is too much. Last month, and also to, to speak back on that, RippleNet, also for y'all that don't know, RippleNet is everything. You got X-Rapid, you got X-Current, and you got RippleNet. RippleNet is everything so they can utilize XRP and everything. All that XRP is at their disposal to use since they are on RippleNet. RippleNet comes with everything. It comes with XRP, so just to put that out there. Uh, Last month, CEO Brad Garlinghouse announced that Ripple had had its best year to date with on-demand liquidity, a payment solution that uses XRP as a bridge currency, now accounting for a fourth of all transactions. At the name, DeRouche, head of international cash management at Rabbit-based bank, describes blockchain as a fast and foolproof way of transferring money. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Fast and foolproof. So you can even be a fool and you can still you can still send money. You can be a fool and can still transfer money fast. Ain't that something? 
Adijari Waffle Bank, whose whose shares are trading on the Casablanca Stock Exchange, has more than four thousand nine hundred branches in the UK, China, Madrid, Tunisia, and other countries. Ripple's strong presence in the Middle East. Ripple has been laser focused on Mina, and as I spell on M E N A. Ripple has been laser focused on Mina countries. For years, the region has become the place to be for the embattled company due to legal troubles on its home turf. Thanks to Gary Gessler here in the United States. And I put that out there. In late 2018, the National Bank of Kuwait launched a remittance right, remit service powered by Ripple. Last May, the National Bank of Egypt joined the Ripple Net, <laughs> Ripple Net Network. Man, Ripple is all across the place, all over the place. They got all type of banks on RippleNet. But yet, the United States is, is still in court fighting Ripple, claiming that XRP is a security. <laughs> Gary Gensler should be ashamed of himself. In October, in an October interview with Bloomberg, Garlinghouse said that the Middle East was Ripple's fastest growing region. This came shortly after Ripple announced a partnership with Dubai-based foreign exchange company called I guess that's AI and Sari Exchange. It just goes to show, man, Ripple Ripple don't care about this case, honestly. Ripple got the funds, and I'm, I think they're just trying to embarrass the SEC for giving them a hard time. Ripple don't care about this case. Ripple knows Ripple know they're going to win this case, and at this point, man, they're just playing with the SEC and, and trying to make a beg for a settlement. That's how I see it. Because if I was Ripple and I had the funds to dispose like that, towards a, a, a lawsuit man I would drag the SEC I would drag them until they could until they scream for mercy like please Ripple please stop man please please stop XRP is a currency it's a full blown currency and we don't even want no fine money just let us go stop we just want to end this lawsuit if I was Ripple I would do that like, hey man let's take it all the way let's take it to trial let's embarrass them in front of, of, of a jury but I, it, I doubt it gets to that point I doubt a trial happens, man. I would be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, I would be, if that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Gary Gensler tried to take it to trial. But at the same time, I would be surprised if it went past summary judgment and, and the judge, with all this overlapping evidence... I would be surprised if she couldn't make a ruling on this herself and it just in this case because I'm pretty sure she's tired of it too she's tired of the bickering going back and forth by, from the SEC and Ripple I'm, I'm sure she's tired of it I'm sure of it and on that note while we're speaking on banks we got JP Morgan says Ethereum is losing NFT market share to Solana now that's hard to that's hard to believe that's coming from JP Morgan Due to JP Morgan having early ties to Ethereum in the early ICO days of Ethereum. And and they have launched their JPM coin on Ethereum. So it's hard to see them saying this. But let's get to it. Ethereum's dominance in non-fungible tokens, NFTs, is shrinking because of congestion and high gas fees. Of course. We know that. We knew it. We, duh. JP Morgan said in an analyst report. 
the network's market share of NFTs has dropped to around 80% from about 95% at the start of 2021. Analysts led by Nicholas, I'm not even going to try to say that last name, Panigertizokolo. Y'all try to say it. It's spelled P-A-N-I-G-I-R-T-Z-O-G-L-O-U. Try to say that name. I'll give you a minute. Well, I'll give you a couple of seconds. Try to say that name. P-A-N-I-G-I-R-T-Z-O-G-L-O-U. Could you say it? Didn't think so. Anyway, he wrote in the note published last week. Since August, the Solana blockchain has been capturing the most NFT volume share at the expense of Ethereum, the bank said. Noting that was when the NFT market started a major expansion. Ethereum has also been losing market cap share to Solana in line with the declining NFT volume share. Because NFTs are the fastest growing universe in the crypto ecosystem, Ethereum's share of this market is likely to be more important than its share of decentralized finance. That's DeFi. According to the note, earlier in the month, the bank warned that Ethereum's dominance of DeFi was also at risk as the scaling of the network needed to maintain its dominance could arrive too late. JP Morgan cautions that if, if if Ethereum's loss of NFT market share continues in 2022, it could be a bigger problem for its valuation. Hmm. So we have some people that's waiting on Ethereum's valuation. And, you know, as far as we know, Ethereum 2.0 is, is according to Vitalik, he said it's... <laughs> Vitalik said Ethereum 2.0 is only about 50% of the way there. So, Vitalik and and Joseph Lubin and the Ethereum Foundation has been promoting Ethereum 2.0 for years now. And it's only 50% of the way there. That means they got a long way to go before Ethereum 2.0 gets launched. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. On another note, new article, CFO, Robinhood will wait on regulators before adding Shiba Inu cryptos and others. Robinhood Chief Financial Officer Jason Warnick said he was aware of the demand for more cryptocurrencies to be added to the platform, but added that the company didn't want to jump the gun. Speaking at the Wall Street Journal's virtual CFO Network Summit last week, Warnick said that the company wants more clarity on the matter. Oh, you want more clarity? Go to Gary Gensler. Gary Gensler said there is plenty of clarity. Gary Gensler says the rules are very clear. Very clear, might I add. Very, very clear, according to Gary Gensler. So if you have the CFO of Robinhood saying that they need more clarity around cryptocurrencies, I don't think the rules are too clear. Somebody let Gary Gensler know that the CFO of Robinhood says they need more clarity around cryptocurrencies, and they run a stock um, a stock platform. They they run a securities platform, and they don't think the rules are clear for on cryptocurrencies. But let Gary Gensler tell you, all crypto, a lot of cryptocurrencies are securities, but a securities company don't even have clarity on. They don't have clarity on it, and they're scared to list cryptocurrencies. <laughs> on the securities platform, man. So, that says a lot. His words came in response to supporters of the Shiba Inu cryptocurrency petitioning for the brokerage company to list SHIB, 
which has garnered over 550,000 signatures. We're a highly regulated company in a highly regulated industry, and we think it's important that we get a bit more clarity from regulators, Warnick said. He said compliance was one of the biggest priorities for the company with a partnership with Chainalysis, the blockchain data platform, only reinforcing that. According to Warnick, Robinhood also had no plans to buy crypto for its corporate treasury, a contrast from other companies like MicroStrategy and Tesla. Now, let me let me go back. Let me rewind a little bit. He quoted that they're a highly regulated company in a highly regulated industry, and they think it's important that they get a bit more clarity from regulators. But they have listed Dogecoin. They have Dogecoin listed. Let me let me let me go on that real quick. Let me see what all they have, what all cryptocurrencies they have listed. They have Dogecoin listed. I know for a fact though. Let's see, crypto. Alright, they have Bitcoin SV, whatever that is, listed. Uh Bitcoin SV, BSV, uh stands for Satoshi's Vision, was created in 2018 as a spinoff aka a hard fork of bitcoin cash which itself was a spinoff of bitcoin like bitcoin bitcoin sv is is a digital currency that can be used for peer-to-peer transactions then you got they have bitcoin cash listed on here they have dogecoin listed on here let's see what let's see what the 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 what's behind dogecoin what what is what is about dogecoin why is dogecoin listed Dogecoin was founded by software engineers Billy Marcus and Jackson Palmer and was launched in 2013. Dogecoin was created to make digital currency more fun, friendly, and approachable. Similar to Bitcoin, Dogecoin is a digital currency that can be used for peer-to-peer transactions. That is currently There is currently no hard cap on the total supply of Doge. But let Robinhood tell you they're a heavily regulated company in a heavily regulated space but they listed that they got Litecoin on here Litecoin was founded by Charlie Lee in 2011 and is a spinoff of Bitcoin similar to Bitcoin Litecoin is a digital currency that can be used for peer-to-peer transactions Litecoin confirms transactions every 2.5 to minutes as opposed to Bitcoins every 10 minutes the maximum amount of Litecoin that can ever exist is 84 million. Litecoin is divisible to eight decimal places. And then they have Ethereum Classic. Ethereum Classic was created in 2016 as a result of the spinoff, aka a hard fork of the original Ethereum uh, Classic. Hold on of the original ethereum network like ethereum ethereum classic is a decentralized computing network that supports smart contracts essentially computing programs that can automatically execute when certain conditions are met ethereum classic aims to uphold ethereum's original unaltered code while the main ethereum project continues to evolve and then they have ethereum listed ethereum was launched in 2015 Ethereum is a decentralized blockchain that supports smart contracts, essentially 
computer programs that can automatically execute when certain conditions are met. The native cryptocurrency essentially computer programs of the platform is called Ether or Ethereum. Ethereum is is divisible to 18 decimal places. There is currently no hard cap on the total supply of Ether. But that's supposed to be also a currency. I just... I just don't understand it, man. We, We live in a... In a world where everything is vague and, and what you see is not really what you see and what you hear is manipulated. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. This is why I say believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Now, back to the article. There aren't compelling reasons to strategically, to strategically for our business to put any meaningful amount of our corporate cash into cryptocurrencies, he said. In November, Christine Brown, Chief Operator Officer and Vice President of Product Operations with Robinhood said the platform wasn't rushing to list more cryptocurrencies. Currently, Robinhood supports buying, selling, and real-time market data for Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV, Dogecoin, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, and Litecoin, like we just went over. Robinhood also rolled out a cryptocurrency gift program last December, as well as a beta launch of cryptocurrency wallets, which now have wait lists of over 1.6 million people. Last fall, payments wrote that Robinhood's legal chief, Dan Gallinger, doesn't think crypto needs more regulations. He reportedly called it one of the stupidest ideas heard in a long time. Gallinger cited the Dodd-Frank financial reform saying this proved more regulatory roles will only cause more harm rather than helping things. He said Dodd-Frank had set out to limit the number of agencies and provide a clear jurisdiction, but ended up adding three new ones. On the other hand, Securities and Exchange Commission SEC Chair Gary Gensler has said regulators' harshness on cryptocurrencies makes sense because of the high levels of hype. And that makes zero sense if you ask me. But hey, you add a a high level of harshness to something that's exciting and and innovative in the United States. The the United States haven't had something exciting in I don't know how long. Not since I've been living for the past uh, 28 years. What has been so exciting for the United States? Something that that, that can allow a chance of changing your whole life around and, and, and obtaining financial freedom from an asset class because for I don't know how long the United States has has been protecting investors from obtaining any type of wealth from from the from the investment markets. They're literally protecting investors from new upcoming companies. And you can only be accredited to invest in new emerging companies that can provide high returns. But the U.S., the, the United States have been protecting the, the average retail investor from engaging in, 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 in wealth building investments. Instead, they want to continue to allow the already rich and wealthy to have these private investments. But hey, who am I, man? It's just my opinion. <laughs> That's just my opinion. 
Now, another article here coming from the block, and it's by Michael McSweeney. And it's titled SoFi Scores Conditional Approval for Bank Charter from the U.S. Regulator. Personal finance company SoFi has won conditional approval in its bid to create a nationally chartered bank. SoFi Bank's conditional approval was announced late Tuesday by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. In a statement, the OCC said that it conditionally approved application from Social Finance Inc., for short, SoFi. Well, in short, SoFi. To create SoFi Bank National Association uh, as a full-service national bank headquartered in Cottonwood Heights, Utah. As part of the, of the transaction, SoFi Bank will acquire Golden Pacific Bank National Association, a national bank insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. The OCC continued. As SP Global Intelligence noted last year, SoFi's approach has reflected the dynamics existing today around the efforts by fintech and crypto companies to obtain national bank charters in the U.S. Notably, the terms of the conditional approval explicitly state that SoFi Bank can't offer crypto services unless the OCC gives the nod. And let me let me comment on that real quick. I see Gary Gensler wanting the same type of power. He don't want anyone to be able to buy crypto unless he gives the nod. That's how it all something. That's how it all. That's how I see him acting. He doesn't want exchanges offering any type of programs or, or certain currencies unless he gives the nod. He wants to be able to say yay or nay. Right. So, and this is crazy. So far, can't engage in any type of crypto activities. That is that is insane. That is insane. <sighs> the section references an an inter an interpretive letter published last November regarding the types of crypto related activities federally regulated banks can engage in. While the operating agreement is in effect, the, the resulting bank shall not engage in any crypto asset activities or services currently performed by, performed by SoFi Inc. or any other crypto asset activities or services unless it has received prior written determination of no supervisory objection from the OCC under the procedures set out in the operating agreement, the document states. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Let's let's look up SoFi real quick. Let's look up SoFi. SoFi official site. I hope they have a having an about section. And once you go on there, they got it at the top. We've received approval to become a bank. They have invest, they have money, personal loans, credit score and budgeting, uh, budgeting, uh, student loan refinancing, home loans, credit card insurance, auto loan refinancing, private student loans. If any of those uh, interest you, then you know, check out SoFi.com and they got a little tab up there, um, find my rate. 
and you can also get help you can contact them for help or if you have any questions I thought they would have uh, I thought they would have had something um, pertaining to crypto on here but I don't see anything let's see about about us SoFi's mission is to help people reach financial independence to realize their ambitions their ambitions and financial independence doesn't just mean being rich it means getting to a point where your money works for the life you want to live everything we do is geared toward helping our members get their money right we're constantly innovating and building ways to give our members what they need to make that happen Mm. okay i'm still looking for something related to crypto but i'm not going to waste anyone's time let's not look at it later um let's go to the, de- to the next article um the next article we have is walmart is quietly preparing to enter the metaverse walmart appears to be venturing into the metaverse with plans to create its own cryptocurrency and collection collection of non-fungible tokens or nfts the big box retailer filed several new trademarks last late last month to indicate its intent to make and sell virtual goods, including like electronics, home decorations, toys, sporting goods, and personal care products. In a separate filing, Walmart said it would offer users a virtual currency as well as NFTs. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this metaverse. Like, if you buying all this for the metaverse, what are you buying for your real life? You're spending all this money. You're buying land. You're buying personal goods. You're buying tennis tennis shoes and home decorations and sporting goods and houses and all this. You're going to go broke in the metaverse. Well, you're going to be living good in the metaverse and then get back to real life. You broke. <laughs> you ain't going to have half the stuff you got in, in, in the metaverse. How is that going to translate to real life? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. I got to do a little bit more research on the metaverse. According to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, Walmart filed the applications on December the 30th. In total, seven separate seven separate applications have been submitted. In a statement, Walmart said it is continuously exploring how emerging technologies may shape future shopping experiences. It declined to comment on the specific trademark filings. We are testing new ideas all the time company added some ideas become products or services that make it to customers and some we test iterate and learn from the filings are super intense said josh gerbin a trademark attorney there's a lot of language in these which so which shows that there's a lot of planning going on behind the scenes about how they're going to address cryptocurrency and how they're going to address the metaverse and the virtual world that appears to be coming or that's already here hmm we shall see, man. There's a lot more to go into, but I ain't going to get all the way into it. You can look it up, Walmart, uh, getting into the metaverse. And our last article of the day, man, something I tell you guys all the time, be careful with your crypto. Don't fall for any scams. Don't click on any links. Don't fall for any hacks, man. Don't fall for the, the emails that are being sent to you, the DMs with links. Do not, please, don't ever click on the links. I repeat, do not ever click on a link that someone send you if you don't know that person and they send somebody sending you a link 
in your DM or on your tweet on your timeline, just block that person. Report the report the tweet. Uh, report it as as uh, it's I forgot what Twitter says, but it's um I forgot what Twitter be saying. But just go report the tweet. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's phishing or it looks like a scam. And just report it and block that person. But back to the article. Hacker launder 15 million stolen from crypto.com using Ethereum, using Ethereum Mixer. Hackers who made off with roughly 15 million in Ethereum from crypto.com are attempting to launder the funds through a so-called Ethereum Mixer known as Tornado Cash, according to a new report from crypto security company PeckShield. Mixers run inter- interference on a blockchain to make it difficult for outsiders to track where stolen funds might end up. Crypto.com halted all withdrawals from the platform for 14 hours on Monday and made users uh, reset their two-factor authentication after unauthorized activity was detected on the network. And that just goes to show you can even have on your two step. Sorry about that, people. I had a call and it ended the the recording. I hate how that happens. But like I was saying, some kind of way these hackers are still bypassing these exchanges, even with your uh, two step verification set it, it's still some kind of way these hackers are they're still bypassing all of that so to be on the safe side i would i would recommend some kind of ledger or any type of cold wallet to get your crypto off these exchanges just to have a peace of mind just to know that you're, you're in complete control of your assets and then only you can you know be the cause of losing your assets you won't have to depend on an exchange to take care of your assets but other than that that's it man um, thanks for tuning in. If you have any suggestions, I try to drop a show every Wednesday. Um, if you have any suggestions, you can follow me on Twitter at JavidGreat. Stay tuned. Hit the notifications for the episodes. I should be on Spotify. I think I'm on Apple. Uh, and, of course, on here on Anchor. So just keep it locked.